Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. I am Kevin Acey in San Francisco, where the Padres begin a four-game series against the Giants today to start a seven-game road trip, Giants and Diamondbacks. Jay Posner, back in San Diego, Sports Editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, let's uh, you know, let's talk about last night's game, 6-4, 10 inning loss to the Dodgers, and that is because not so much that it matters to either team, though it gets the the Dodgers one step closer to a seventh straight division title, but it really it was illustrative in so many ways of something we've been talking about a lot this season, and I just think that it all came together in a game sort of that, that is a perfect time for us to sort of <laughs> talk about something, and we, we may end up raising more questions than we, than we uh, bring answers, but uh, Jay? Yeah, there's, there's always a good chance of that. I do think we need to start, you almost need to start the night before, right? Because yes, Cal, Quantrill, yes. Cal Quantrill, who's been fantastic since the All-Star break, <clears throat> was having trouble uh, against the Dodgers, as many teams have, have done. And I, I'm sure there were people wondering. In fact, I was, I was sitting with one of them, <clears throat> a Dodger fan who hasn't watched the Padres much. But he said, you know, are they just going to leave him out there all night? And I said, well, they might have to. <laughs> because they have a bullpen game tomorrow. And so I'm sure that the last thing they want to do is go to the bullpen this early. And so I'm sure, and you wrote about this, and you could probably explain it better, how Andy Green answered the question after the game. I think you, I'm assuming you were the one who asked him, you know, did Cal just have to wear it out there? I did, and I knew that he was going to balk at that, though I will tell you he balked at it less than I thought. <laughs> um, all he said was, I wouldn't put it that way, but yes, that's, that was the, that, that's correct. Uh, and then they ended up having to use, because Cal couldn't get out of that inning, they ended up having to use Robbie Erland for three innings. That means Robbie Erland's not available. That means Nick Margavichis gets called up. You know, what I'm assuming is for one day, as we tape this on Thursday morning, uh, my understanding is that Nick Margavichis will be the guy that goes down back to double-A to pitch in the playoffs for the Sod Poodles when Nick Martini, the outfielder that they acquired off waivers uh, from the A's yesterday, is uh, put on the 25-man roster. But Margavichis has to, had to come up because he had to be available to pitch. And, and the thought was if the game got out of hand on Thursday, he ended up pitching, uh, you know, after... Kirby Yates uh, in, in the 6-4 loss. But that, that was it. They had this bullpen game. He was which, the guy that was going to come in if they got shelled right off the bat right. or if the game went extra innings. I mean, he was the guy that was sort of waiting in the wings yeah. but to he, pitch later he, on. But he was not the guy that they really wanted to pitch. He or Robbie Erlin, because your point, the one you wanted to start off with, uh, Quantrill, it affects the day before and potentially – likely the day after at least when you have these bullpen games so it affects how it, and and since they have been coming especially in the second half although it has been all season but they you know moving Matt Strong to the bullpen these bullpen games have been coming more frequently they affect how Andy Green manages oh I don't know half the games <laughs> yeah I would think that's the case and it, it kind of brings us to what you were you were getting at at the very beginning which is what we wanted to I want to talk about and bring up is are the Padres what are the Padres trying to do over these yep. last 32 games and it just seems like there's a lot of kind of mixed messages and I sort of get it and I don't think I don't think a lot of fans get it based on what I see at least on social media which is just a non-stop fire Andy Green he's an idiot blah 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 but the problem is are they trying to win games right now is that the priority 
or are they trying to find stuff out about certain players for next year? And the example I use is Luis Urias has struggled a bit mm-hmm. at shortstop. He made an amazing play last night to backhand the ball with two outs in the 10th. And then he made an amazingly bad throw right after he got up. And the basically the winning run scored. The last run scored because baseball umpires are atrocious and Kirby Yates had a guy struck out and etc. But anyway, that's irrelevant. The point is, Urias is, is a second baseman, right? I mean, if his future in Major League Baseball is at second base. And they have a gold glove shortstop on the roster in Manny Machado. So if they were really trying to win games here, this is just my theory and you can shoot me down at any time. But Urias would play second, Machado would play short, and then I guess Ty France and maybe a little bit of Greg Garcia would would play third base. But what they seem to be doing is they've said they wanted to take a look at Ty France at second base. So Urias has played short, Machado's played third, where he's also a gold glove uh, player. And then at second base, I thought we were going to see Ty France, except more often than not now, we see Greg Garcia. And not that Greg Garcia hasn't earned the right to play, but we kind of know what Greg Garcia is at this point, right? I mean, he's a very good utility guy, very good against right-handers, not a very good defensive player. The idea, I thought, and we talked about this a week or two ago when Tatis got hurt, was let's see what Ty France can do at second base. But we're not seeing Ty France a lot at second base. So are they trying to win? Are they trying to find out about Ty France? Or are they basically kind of caught in the middle where they're not really sure what they're doing and they're trying to straddle this line where some nights it feels like they're trying to win and some nights it feels like they aren't? And and I don't mean they're not trying to win. You know you know what I'm saying. That it's, yes. you know, the priority is not necessarily do everything possible to win a game on a particular night. So I don't know. Where where am I off base on this? Where you can, nailed where it. Can you help Podcast me on over. This? That's it. <laughs> okay, Done. back to work. No, Jay, as you said, we mentioned it a few weeks ago when the, when the injury to Fernando Tatis first happened, and, and we're, we have Ron Fowler, we have A.J. Uh, Preller freshly having said that you know they can win with young players, and, and I said if they're trying to win, Ty France is at third base, uh, Manny Machado's at short, Luis Urias is at second. Right. But if they want to see what Ty France can do, then, okay, that's what they said they were going to do. You bring up then the problem is, well, wait a minute, especially against right-handed pitchers, all three games in this series against tough right-handers against the Dodgers, Greg Garcia starting at second. Uh, it is absolutely contradictory. It is somewhat understandable. The straddling the fence that you said, Jay, is, is a really good way to put it because it's like, you know, at this point, I, as an observer of the team throughout and someone who had a very, you know, who was absolutely thrilled to be even writing the words wild card in July, <laughs> um, you know, just, uh, you know, even if I knew in my head, look, this isn't going to happen. Hey, they're there and I'm reporting the facts. I love that. But I knew the big picture. I would be fine with them essentially throwing in the towel and saying, look, Ty France is going to start there. All right. That's just what's going to happen and doing this. But you're right. Then there's these things they do that say, well, you know, they're making the best player play. Now, that is to some extent the fence they do have to straddle because they have to show players that you are rewarded. And Greg Garcia, and I'm not saying players are running this, but you got to understand, Greg Garcia is hugely popular with two very important guys in that clubhouse. And and, and that, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. I, I don't doubt you for a second, and that's fine. But 
does he have to be playing? I think it's like five out no. of the last seven games or something like You're that. You're 100% right. And, and that's I'm the, saying. And, right. And that's the, and then the other issue, you know, if they were really, really trying to win, which of course is part of the idea of playing Garcia, is he gives you a better chance to win uh, at this point, at least it seems that way, especially against right handers, then what are you doing with the pitching? Because you well, have, that's, that's the other thing. You have all these, you know, you have these. These bullpen games, which and look, the last couple of bullpen games haven't really gone that badly. I mean, last night they had they had one bad inning. They they couldn't throw they couldn't throw a strike, and then Perdomo just you know inexplicably and and almost you know unforgivably uh, you know gives up a hit to Maeda, which ends up being you know one of the big hits in the uh, in the ball game. But otherwise, these last couple of bullpen games they haven't really been losing because the bullpen is pitched poorly. Uh, so you can almost you can almost understand that, but it they it just seems to be sort of a mixed message oh, type of situation. Is. Why are they still going with the p- pitching? Is because they set that course at the beginning of the year. It was one of the reasons that no matter what you wanted to do to buy into what they were you know ha- what was happening on the field when they were around five hundred above five hundred. If we go back far enough, it wasn't going to last because of this whatever you want to call it, um, six-man rotation that isn't really a six-man rotation, a six-spot right, rotation. Right. So and six-spot rotation f- filled with nothing but young, uh, you know, oh. young pitchers, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear, but the fact is these guys are all still in their first and second year. Uh, and Cal Quantrill, as good as he's looked for whatever it was, six or seven starts after the break, you know, he's due to have a game where he's going to get hit. I mean, the, it, it, that happens to pitchers, and, and it obviously happened to him the other night, I mean, Paddock hasn't been all that great lately. You know, Lucchese and Lauer have their have their moments where they're good. They have their moments where they're not. I mean, I think we kind of know sort of where they where they are. Jay, you brought point. up uh, one more thing about last night's game that you know. Let's go ahead and just stick up for Andy, or at least point out what Andy Green is dealing with, and it good speaks to our our main theme here. And uh, but it was something you brought up on Twitter, and it was exactly. I mean, like I'm like, well. You know, of course, Jay, because he's just so brilliant and he notices these things. But certainly no one else uh, or very few other people noticed this. You know, great. Uh, Austin Allen was optioned yesterday to make room for Nick Margavich's. That's a left-handed bat. Uh, it's a bat off the bench. A situation in the game yesterday, Kalarik, is that his name? The left-handed reliever comes in to face uh, and Greg Garcia is due up. Set the situation for us and what Andy was dealing with. Yeah, I mean, they had a rally going and I don't have the exact particulars in, in front of me, but it was a chance to basically go, I think at the time, weren't they down a run um mm-hmm. and here was a chance to it seemed like you were gonna this was the time where dave roberts went to the lefty uh to mm-hmm. face garcia which you would want to do and my immediate thought was okay ty france is gonna pinch hit here and he didn't and then i started thinking well why isn't he pinch hitting here and then i realized it was only the seventh inning and they were he was thinking and and whether this was the right move or not I, I i'm sure some people probably have a problem with it i understood why he did it as it turned out it worked out later because what i think he was looking at was in the ninth inning i'm going to have the pitcher spot coming up i think the pitcher spot was sixth in the order by that point i'm going to have the pitcher spot coming up and then i'm going to have austin hedges coming up and the choice was basically do i want austin hedges to hit off Kenley Jansen in the ninth, or do I want Greg Garcia to hit off Adam Kolarik in the seventh? That's mm-hmm. I think that's what it came down to, and I think yes. he decided to take his chances with Garcia, and then it didn't work out. But 
in the ninth, here came that spot in the order, and they were able to hit for for hedges with with France at that point. And I don't know what would have happened. I mean, France struck out, but with two strikes, he he had two strikes on him and a runner on third, and Jansen threw the wild pitch. So that's what we, we talk about, though. If the result doesn't matter. Like there's so much argument for the move that Andy Green made. Okay, right, right. We can argue about it, but there is so much in his favor, and that's what that manager is thinking about in the sixth inning, or was it the it seventh? Was the seven, seventh? It was the seventh oh. inning. Was he was thinking right. about the ninth inning? And exactly. of course, you can make the other argument. Okay, go for the go for the win in the you know nope. send up Ty France here, not against and, the Dodgers, right? But I, what? I, yeah, but I'm just saying. Here's the other argument: is you can send up Ty France. Maybe he gets a hit. Chances are he's not going to get a hit. I mean, the odds are obviously against how it happens. Ty France getting mm-hmm. a hit in that situation. But as it turned out, you know, they ended up tying the game on a wild pitch, but the result was almost irrelevant. But that that was one of those things where you're trying – I'm always trying to think along with the manager, and I, and I think, you know, look, you and I aren't the only ones doing that. There are a lot of smart fans out there who are doing the same thing. I think there are also a lot of sort of reactionary – People who are just like, oh, that's a terrible move. You know, how could you well, not right, pitch right, it left there? Matchup, With, right, you know, right, all left, that. Absolutely. How could you? How could you do that? But I think there's so much more to think about. And I'm not saying that every time this happens, that I or you even know what what they're thinking. Nope. And I think that's why we have you there and and Jeff Sanders there is to ask the questions after the game and and it was like with the Quantrill situation the other night you know Quantrill probably should have come out a couple batters sooner but there was a reason for it and you know we thankfully we had we and I mean you're not the only reporter there but there are people who can who can ask the questions and hopefully give people an understanding uh about why this is why this is happening at a particular time and look, if you agree with it, don't agree with it, that's, you know, that's up to you. But there is a lot that goes into all these decisions. And I think a lot of times you and I aren't aware of it either, at least I until after have, the yes, game when I, you can ask about it. Think about this. I have a great awareness of all the times we don't know. Let's say that that situation, let's say the, the Dodgers had gone up, you know, uh, by 15 runs. Not inconceivable. Um, <laughs> right. And, and the, the situation in the ninth never came up. Well, that doesn't mean Andy Green was wrong about the seventh. Correct. Correct. He had to be thinking that way. I have great respect for your ability to do this. AJ Casavell of MLB.com, a great respect. He's a strategist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's times that, that the two of you are stumped by something Andy did or weren't aware. That's just because we're not the guys with eight analytics guys and we're not Andy Green down there living it, you know, uh, you know, nine innings a day, 12 hours a day, um, and aware of all the injuries and all, everything. But I think the overall point as we wrap this up is like the, Whatever happened last night, Andy Green had a short bench, and he has quite a bit because they've had to, on occasion, stock their bullpen because of their situation with their starting rotation. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that was the original point you were trying to make when you said Austin Allen got sent down was it left them a bat short on the bench. And so in that situation, they weren't able – if they had had a regular four-man bench in that situation, I would bet anything that Ty France would have hit in the seventh inning against Kolarik. And and then they would have because then they would have had a nut, they would have had two more guys Mejia and another bat let's say Austin Allen Th- those guys would have been available to pinch hit you know down the road but last night they were a bat short and you know that was the way that they chose to approach it and I I thought you know it made it made perfect sense and you know look they were 
it it ended up where they were in the game, and and you could see why uh, you could see why it happened. But again, so here's the point know. I want to make to wrap it up, Jay. Unless you have a point afterward to wrap it up, <laughs> but the point I have to make to wrap it up is is this somewhat uh, defense of Andy Green or explanation of what he's doing is not to say that it's he won't be let go at the end of the season. If he is let go at the end of the season, it won't be because of wins and losses. It just can't be. We, we should all laugh or turn our backs and walk out if someone says it's about wins or losses. It just can't be. There are other factors that the Padres, uh, you know, it's well within their justification to be able to decide that they want to move on. But, right. it, you know. <laughs> and there might be other strategical, re- there might be strategical sure. reasons why. I mean, they, there may be times during the year where there were there were moves that were made and you and I said, oh, I understand why that was done. Well, sure. A.J. Preller and his staff might have said, I don't understand that at all. I, you know, they shouldn't have done that. They should have done. Mm-hmm. You know, he should have done. He should have reacted this way or that way. And there's obviously so many, so much more that goes into being uh, a manager. But to judge, to judge a manager of, of a team like this over the past four years on wins and losses just seems ridiculous to me because there's just so much more that goes into it. Now, you know, tonight I, I was. If are we done? Did we wrap it up after saying we were going to wrap it up three times? Let's move on to this. <laughs> Whatever you got is going to be better than this. Oh, I don't know about that. But we're, we're moving on. I mean, here's another team that's in a weird the, – the Giants were in this weird situation at the end of July, the last time we saw them, where, you know, they they w- weren't sure what to do at the deadline. They ended up like two games over 500, I think, right at the deadline. And they said, well, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to go for it and see what we can do. Well, of course, they're not going to make the playoffs now. They're 65 and 67. They're six games out. I think baseball reference gives them like a 0.8% chance of of reaching the postseason at this point. So we've got this matchup now. They're, they're what, four games games ahead of the Padres um, going into this four-game series in San Francisco. Uh, The Padres played very well against the Giants earlier in the year. They won five of the first seven. Since then, they're one and seven. The only win, including 0-5 in San Francisco, the only win was Quantrill, who is not pitching this weekend back in July that was here. These two teams cannot hit. Uh, you know, I was looking at the uh, at the numbers. The, the Giants are 13th in runs scored. The Padres are 14th. That's in the National League. The Giants are 13th in batting average, 14th in on base, 14th in slugging. The Padres are right there with them in all those categories. So, you know, whatever happens this weekend, I think, and the only thing we know for sure is that it will be the last time that Bruce Bochy manages the Giants against the Padres. Am I safe in saying that? Yes. How about this? Do we do we know this that it's the last time Madison Bumgarner will face the Padres as a Giant? No, I don't. Night. I don't think we know that. Okay. Um, I I would I would say it's likely. But okay. it's it's not a, a certainty the way it is with uh, with Bochi. With Bruce Bochi. And it may not be okay. the last time Bochi manages against the Padres, which is why I said it the way I did. But as a as a Giants manager, uh, it will be. But the the okay. uh, the Padres are throwing Paddock tonight against Derek Rodriguez, who has struggled for the most part this year. Tomorrow is the probably the best matchup with Denelson Lamette against Bumgarner. Saturday, Joey Lucchese for the Padres against the rookie Logan Webb who's made just two starts in the in the big leagues nine and two-thirds five runs five earned runs nine strikeouts 
And then another struggling starter Sunday for the Giants, Tyler Beatty, goes against Eric Lauer. And um, I think, you huh. know, I'm not sure what else to say about the, the <laughs> series. It's, I, I, I think it's I, – I enjoy watching. I'm glad to see Yastrzemski. You know, it's it's kind of cool. It makes me feel old, but it's kind of cool to to see that name in the big leagues. I, I'm I'm amazed at the numbers Evan Longoria has this year. He's been amazing against the Padres, but his his overall numbers aren't that bad uh, as well. And a couple of the Giants, some of their younger guys seem to have have played have good numbers. To Solano, Slater. So uh, you know, interested to see that, and always interested to see what uh, <laughs> what we're going to get out of the Padres because you just never know. I am looking forward to it's reached this point in the season. I mean, you, I've always looked forward to Paddock starts, and but it's reached this point in the season. Each one of these Padres starters has uh, something to to show. Uh, Chris Paddock uh, used uh, the term that he got his teeth kicked in. Other people in the organization said it was uh, both uh, you know on field personnel and, and above. It was the first time that they noticed that you know the body language. He really didn't know what to do against the Red Sox. We know he's a prideful young Texan. That'll be interesting. Lamette tomorrow night. Uh, you know, just the continued, uh, can he, you know, keep it all together and, and put together a, a start that we know every, he's capable of, uh, like he does from time to time. Well, Casey Lauer, in my opinion, probably battling for that number five uh, starter spot on a contending team. So so that's all interesting. Um, and as far as I know, you said Derek Rodriguez is struggling. All I know is every time he faces the Padres, the guy's awesome. So, yeah, well, you know. I, I, I'm not sure Join how you could probably say that about a lot of uh... – <laughs> Uh, a lot of pitchers, but uh, he does he does have a five e over a five ERA, so that was uh, and and gets to pitch some of his games in in you know one of the great pitchers parks in the uh, in baseball. So, uh, but anyway, you're in so a, you're in a great city. You've got a, you go to a great ballpark the next four four oh, days, yeah. and then uh, you have the uh, fabulous trip to Phoenix. Um, I will where... probably have pneumonia after this trip. Um, <laughs> after you know, it'll be in the high fifties with uh, probably you know wind whipping uh, to, uh, at the end of the, at least the next three games at night. The night games, and then <laughs> I do this weather app, you know, so I make sure I dress appropriately. Sure. I didn't even need to put Phoenix on there. No, I just just no no. <laughs> I, I I did put it on there the other day just because out of habit I I do it for the uh, I do it for the Padre trips and. And it was, uh, I think I looked last night when I put it on there, it was like 10 uh-huh. o'clock at night, it was 100 degrees. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> here you go, Monday Monday 105, Tuesday 107, Wednesday 107. Um, and it's still, even though, look, they closed, the, the Chase Field still just is hot. It's right, just, a, right. you know, <laughs> so, it's amazing. But well, the contrast between these two trips oh, I will know. Um, I don't think this is the first time you've done this trip either, where it's, they've played San Francisco, Arizona on the same uh on the same trip so anyway well, we, uh, we will not talk uh we will not talk on the podcast monday due to the holiday but uh we'll be back on tuesday and we'll uh we'll address the five games that will have happened between Ooh. uh between podcasts that's uh that's almost a, a hot lava record there leaving uh, leaving that many games so we'll see what happens wow. over uh over this long holiday weekend we wish everyone a, a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend and we'll talk to everyone next week Goodbye.